Hi everybody, welcome to episode 13 of Satellite 664. I'm uh, one of your two co-hosts, Kaz Tagan, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Steve Loopy Newhouse. Good um, afternoon. We have a uh, very special guest on today, um, a gentleman who's uh, the bass guitarist of the mighty Air Force, Mr. Tony Hatton. Welcome to Satellite 664. Hi, how are you doing, guys? Nice to be on the show. Cheers. Hello, Tony. How you doing? And mate? I'm from good. I'm great. And I'm coming from rural Essex, about forty miles from Lutby. Haverhill, isn't it? Round here, Haverhill. Yeah, Haverhill's in such. Yeah, that's the nearest big town, about seven miles yeah. from me. There you go. So people are going to now be out there with their, with their maps, going, "All right, there's a pin in there because we've got that one." <laughs> yeah. so, how are you finding the lockdown, Tony? I'm finding it okay, really, because uh, we live out in the country, so we're not confined into a town. I've got six children, most of them at home. I've got older ones who I can have a beer with, younger ones I can play with, and a wife, of course. So yeah, it's so not as severe as it could be. No, that's true. That's true. Three weeks down. And how many to go? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Now, Tony, could you start off by uh, oh, telling us about uh, your wonderful band, Air Force. So you give us a history about Air Force and um, and your links with Maiden because there are quite a few links between Air Force and Iron Maiden. Yeah. Well, the, the first link is when we, when we first started, which was 1986. We're talking with, we, with, we thought it was later because it's such a long time ago, but after me and Doug had a discussion, we got it to about 86. We can remember certain things. And anyway, so when Air Force came about, it was, was the Chop and I were playing together in a band called EL34, which had just disbanded. And then Steve Harris introduced Doug Sampson to Chop because Doug wanted to get back into the music scene after being out of it since he left. Left Maiden in seventy, so uh, very early links with Maiden. Chop's known Steve Harris since before Maiden. Anyway, the guitarist in Air Force, and then when we actually started, we already had an ex-Maiden member with us. Are you you already had some connections with Iron Maiden even back in the early days, didn't you? Yeah, well, when you look back on history, say if I, Steve, to tell the name of the band again. Uh, Paul Diano was playing with a, a guy called Mick Franklin in the band before he joined Maiden. And a couple of years after that, I ended up playing with Mick Franklin, not knowing he had any Paul Diano connections at the time. And uh, we just look back and you look back, there's always little connections here and there and everywhere. Was, was, so that, with, uh, was, that, was that still with uh, Steve Kingsley on drums? I, I can't even remember who was drumming, quite honestly. Yeah. Steve, uh, Tony, when, when, when was the first time you saw Iron Maiden? I, I believe it was the Ruskin Arms. Ruskin Arms. I mean, uh, but we, we, although we saw, I was, again, I was talking to a friend of mine a little while ago and he was reminding me of a couple of shows we went to see when Doug was playing in, in, in Maiden, playing at Ruskin. Little did I know that I'd be playing with him several years later but uh, and you know Maiden were a good band but they was a, we used to frequent the Ruskin Arms regularly it was like a just you know before I was in there before I was in a band you know from the age of 18 
that's what I would have seen Maiden around that eight era, 79, 70s, 8, 79. Um, I was just was going there as a punter. Then we started playing there regularly as EL34 with Chop a couple of years in the very early 80s. And just just last couple of days, there's a there's a, a Facebook page called We Went to the Ruskin. We, 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 all, we all went to the Ruskin. People or people who went to the Ruskin Arms, and I've been they wanted a few bits of history from me for that. So I've been talking to this, and someone's compiling a book as well. Well, a guy runs that page, I think. What were your recollections of the uh, Iron Maiden Ruskin Arms gig that you went to? Oh, just well, I went to more than one, and. Uh, I can't remember how many, but but uh, yeah, just that was just another good band. They stood out, you know, they stood out. But there was quite a lot of bands we we liked from that era, but they did stand out. But they didn't didn't always go in and watch them as well. In the Ruskin Arms, there was a small middle bar. If anybody knows knows it, where the pool table was, and and the, and there was always a who could stay on the pool table the longest. So yeah. some nights I'd go out to Ruskin Arms, and if you had a blind for a run, you'd be playing. You didn't want to come off because you'd never get on again. You'd play pool all night. It was, some bloody noisy band in the other room. <laughs> but little did we know at the time. Tony, growing up, who were your personal musical influences? Well, Steve Harris is one. And I can, I remember, I've been playing the bass a bit from since about the age of 15, 16. And when I first, and I played with a pick pick. And when I first saw Steve Harris, or one of, one of the very first times, and I saw him play, and I thought, that's going to be me. No more pick, fingers only. Nothing against bass players who play with a pick, but I just think playing with your fingers is like, makes that instrument your own, a bit of virtuoso. It makes that you know, right, unique. Can I, I'll just join in here. Um, you saying that, when um, when Maiden were looking for a producer, um, we sent into a studio with uh, Andy Scott from Sweet to be the producer for this particular track. And Andy turned around and said to Steve, I think you get a better sound out of your bass if you use a, use a plectrum. And Steve said to, said to Vic Vela, our crew boss, Vic, pack the gear away, we're going home. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, there's actually, yeah. um, Tony, there, there is uh, a, quite a, a significant crossover between Air Force fans and Iron Maiden fans. There's a lot of Iron Maiden fans are Air Force fans, and that's simply because the there's a the two bands musically complement each other very much. Um, to what extent is that due to I guess you know uh, Doug Samson and Chop's involvement? But just that we grew up in the same era, so we was around as we just talked about going mm. to the Ruskin Arms. Saw Maiden. Chop was friends with Steve anyway, so you know they used to, they used to be together. So obviously all the similar influences. And Chop, you know we've we I think we're a bit more this round distinctive sound. We're not a copy of Maiden, but we just obviously drove same roots, same area, same friends. It's going to be similarities. Well, plus I'm mean, also going yeah, right and back to the Maiden members. Going back to the very early days when Maiden um, went on the road, well, started doing gigs at uh, the Carlton Horses, Chop was the one that was lending Steve Harris his equipment. Yeah. So there, there's yeah. a connection Chop, that goes way, way back. Yeah. So what's. Chop to help them get started. Yeah. 
So Tony, what's uh, what's Air Force up to now these days? What, what's what's in the pipeline? Well, well, we should have been halfway through an American tour by now. Today, it should have been in Kentucky. Bowling Green, Kentucky was the show for tonight. It's a place called The Pit Stop. Unfortunately, that's where we should have been. Halfway or three quarters of the way through an American tour. So that's not That's what we would have been in other times, should we say? Yeah, look, and, and I'm sorry, go on. No, I'm just saying, and then there's a new new album due out. It's all ready with the record company, but that's obviously held up again because of the times we're in. So we should be out playing, promoting that album. That's what we would. We've got some, and we've got events planned through the year, but it's all a little bit up in here at the moment. Yeah, look, Tony, it's a segue into the main sort of topic of the show, the topic du jour. And that is um, the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on the music industry. And really, you're the perfect person to, to speak about this. Uh, hence why we've, you know, you've, you've kindly uh, given us your time today. So since we last spoke to you all, the, the, this crisis has significantly impacted all industries. But we're going to talk about the music industry tonight. You know, and we're an Iron Maiden related show. Uh, with a focus on Iron Maiden, as we speak, the following dates have been either postponed or cancelled. So, Australia, New Zealand postponed, Japan cancelled, Manila, Philippines cancelled, Grasspop, Belgium cancelled, uh, Download in the UK cancelled. Uh, the strong rumours that the uh, the Paris show cancelled and by the time this comes out it probably will be uh copenhagen denmark cancelled and with more and more governments putting restrictions on uh public gatherings or rather stepping them up there there's sure to be more cancellations coming up so tony what what we'd like to sort of shift the discussion onto now is basically in what ways other than the obvious you know, playing live in, in live music venues. What are the ripple effects on the music industry that this pandemic is uh, causing? Well, it's fast. It spreads. We can't even rehearse. We can't go to a rehearsal studio. So are they, how are they going to cope? The, the, the place we use was a, was a rural one out, out in Essex. Only one studio limited people in there doesn't it doesn't it's not, it doesn't make a fortune of money the guy is just a big music fan who runs it I, I left i haven't spoke to him for a bit i'll have to see how he's going but again we can't rehearse we can't get together if we follow restrictions that the government have put in so that's just one small so there's there be rehearsal studios how many thousands of bands rehearse in studios big and small all over so it goes that's grassroots that's being affected straight away that's probably people haven't even thought about that. Yeah, and then needless to say, venues. Yeah, needless to say, mm. then there's the impact on on crew members, on uh, the the live music venues themselves, and the people who work in those venues. I mean, it's it's just as you say, it's just vast. 
you mentioned before that um, Air Force have got a new rec- new album ready to go. <clears throat> Could you talk to us about the pathway of how the record distribution uh, goes and, and how that's obviously impacting the release of any new album? Because, um, I mean, there's... I'll just say... I'll just uh, say, so we, we have an email for, because we, the new album is going to be released for a record company. We signed a record, signed up. So uh, and we was we was asking these questions, obviously, to the record company, what they was going to do, because we was about ready to go. I've got my glasses on. So, but I'm just going to read you a little bit of what they've said. Uh, there, are, there are factors that should be taken into consideration. But the biggest distributor, Distributor of physical music, CD and vinyl, Amazon has stopped accepting stock for any new re- releases. So that is a no-go releases. And it's not just Amazon. There's lots of all shops and distributors around the world. That's one little passage. So you can't, it's manufacturing. We can't manufacture CDs. You can't distribute them. We can't get them around the world. We can't promote. Some people have asked, could we just do it digital? But that's just a small part of it. To, to, to release a new album, a tour, live shows should go with it. So we've been urged strongly to we'll wait, while the, and it's the record company's control anyway. Everything's with them. It's, it's all ready to go. I know a lot of people are getting impatient with it, but that's their that's their like, take on it. So we so we we're impatient and we're uh, frustrated by that. That's the uh, album cover, by the way. Anybody who wants to look at it? It's come. That's uh, going to be coming out, and it should have been out by now. Should have been out a month ago, but it's all been. Indefinitely on hold at the moment. We'll be talking to him again soon. So, so as well as live shows, we can't even release a record. So there's no <clears throat> set time frame uh, for pl- releasing the new album at, at the moment. No, well, this is a few couple of weeks old, so we will have to get, discuss again because it's a fluid situation. Things are changing, rules are changing. Different countries as well do different things. You know, this would be a worldwide release, so you can't. Have- Oh, we can release it in Denmark, but we can't release it. In, you know, America's the big the big market, and that's a can't, no one can go there. I don't think they're taking posts post coming out of. Nothing can be posted out of America at the moment. But again, things change all the time. That's what they mentioned in the email. But so two things have settled down, and I think it needs to run a little bit further this situation before anybody can make any sort of proper plans. Is a band like Air Force? In fact, are you guys? Uh, looking at any uh, optimizing your income stream in alternative ways, uh, sort of non-conventional ways at the moment. Well, we are looking at op- op- different options, but it's still days uh, into this pandemic. You know, three months ago, no one had ever heard of COVID. It's, it's, I was talking to my son. He was, it was, it was, it was His birthday was the middle of January, and he can't remember being a virus. They were out partying. It was, it was obviously aware of it before that, but four months ago, the world had never heard of it anyway. Very so, and we're only three weeks into a lockdown, so it's a little bit hard getting some plans, starting to put things together. You don't want to make too bigger plans. Like in two months' time, we're going to do this big online thing, and the world's out with that again. So, it's a it's a very difficult situation to plan in at the moment. Just keep keep an eye on it, don't you? How important or significant is um, selling merchandise, especially at a time like this, to supplement air income stream? Well, it's important to sell merchandise all the time, but 
it's the only, it'll be the only income stream we we have at the moment. It's, well, it's as much as ours. It's stuff that was already there. If it's produced, you can do it, and you have it. But I don't know. Well, I haven't tried to restock too much lately. So that's my next thing: is are people printing t-shirts? Are people, you know, well, only thing we have drum skins, drums, drumsticks. So I've got the, the Doug signs engraved with his name on. I've got a, all these things just, we've run low on. And I'm going to just start seeing if anybody's, if we can get them distributed. Yeah. Tony, uh, how, I don't know if I can how quickly can the record companies and the pressing plants and the distributors spring back into action uh, when given the green light? I mean, is that an overnight thing or is that going to take time? I, would, I wouldn't have thought it would be too, too difficult. They just stop, stop people going into work. They just ask them to come back in. So to start back up again should be okay. It depends how long it goes on for again. That's the big thing. If it goes on for a long time, people who were working there may have found an alternative employment, may, be, may decide to go in. And the company, people who own the company may have decided, well, you know, we can't afford to sit there mothballed. Mm. We'll have to go in and do something different. Mm. Maybe make ventilators or baths or, you know, which is a lot of, well, well, a lot of industry has done that, isn't it? Changed, completely changed tech. You know, you're from Airbus to Dyson. They've all gone into using their facilities to do stuff for the virus situation. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I would say it's out of the question that a record plant would, couldn't change itself to a storage facility for the NHS or you know, something like that. These are big, big warehouses. Tony, in the music industry, what's the word? I mean, everybody's, everybody's got a different opinion on this, different view on this, but what's the word on when you're anticipating live shows to resume again? And again, it, diff- it differs from everybody you talk to. The, the medical profession will have one view. Uh, governments will have usually a view that's complementary to the, the medical fraternity. But in the music industry, what's the, what are you hearing? What's filtering through about when live concerts will kick yeah. off again? Well, a personal view, but I'll take it in all the information I've seen. I... I can't really see that, that there being big gatherings until they, there is actually some sort of cure, uh, uh, because otherwise it's just going to feed the virus again, uh, unless the herd, herd theory works and everybody's had it. But can they test it? They, they said they was going to test to see if people have got the antibodies, but the, all the tests are, they're, they're, they're coming up with don't seem to be reliable. So until there's a proven way that you've ever had it or, or a cure... Any large gathering, I don't see how they how they'll be allowed to happen again. But who knows? I said yeah. I, I just checked. We're due to play a festival in Germany at the end of July, and at the moment that's still on. Yeah, well, I can speak to this. Um, I guess you're referring to when you say cure. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to really cure a viral condition with any any definitive medication, but. You're referring to when a vaccine will be available, which, which on a on a yeah. large scale can basically immunise people and provide that protection. And that that's not an overnight thing because much very similar analogy to the the record distribution pathway, the development to a vaccine can be very protracted, in so far as it involves uh, research and development. It involves uh, animal testing. It involves then moving on to human clinical trials, then on to quality control legislation. It it's not 
it, it, it really can take up to 18 months for it to, to really come to fruition. And uh, the, the experts will tell you that we're not really anticipating a vaccine uh, to be available you know, on a large scale until probably mid next year you know, mid to possibly late 2021. I mean, the race is on, but the important thing is not to cut corners with safety and quality control. So I think they will take their time, but there will be a vaccine sometime next year from mid next year and onwards. And there's lots of groups around the world working on it and working quite quickly on it, on developing a, a, a vaccine. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up is uh, one of the American public health officials, uh, a respected uh, physician, Dr. Zeke Emanuel, has actually uh, proposed that there won't be any live performances or certainly large gatherings and live concerts till about the North American or the Northern Hemisphere autumn of 2021. So we're talking uh, September, October 2021. And... Um, that opens up a whole lot of other factors, you know. When we do get going, will people actually be comfortable coming back into large gatherings? That's, that's one thing. Will people with chronic medical problems or compromised immune systems be comfortable coming and joining large gatherings again? So there, there, there's all those issues as well. Look at that all comes back to having some sort of treatment for this disease where it's gone away... Or there's, as you said, uh, um, what do we call it, vaccine, or maybe some existing stuff that, that can suppress the, you know, the virus that just makes it just, you know, there's ex just, they are following the path of existing medicines, work having some effect on it that are already licensed. So there's a, what, isn't there a tuberculosis drug that they're, that they're looking at? There's, yeah, it's a tuber yeah, it's a know, tuberculosis it's a vaccine. It's a tuberculosis vaccine, which is. Yeah hypothesized to uh, increase immunity against COVID-19. I mean, that's in the works. That There's nothing sort of established yet, but it's promising. Yep. Lots of that. It's a, it's a war footing at the moment. Usually on a war footing, progress seems to be a lot faster. But until there's something <laughs> that can suppress, make the, make the disease not as deadly, I, think so. I just don't think people will be gathering. And the American uh, view of... Autumn next year was, yeah, I think that's possibly a bit severe, but uh, it could be. It could be. I would say that's probably worst case. I mean, I would have said more like the end of this year, beginning of next year. But again, it could be. It depends on a lot of things. Yeah. Vaccine, some sort of drug to make the disease not as deadly. Find it out because a lot of people are immune anyway, you know, or have some a good deal of immunity. It's only a small fraction of the population that gets severely affected. So. There could be a breakthrough, you know, anywhere along the way. We live in hope. Let's be a bit positive. Tony, in your opinion, do you think we'll just, with a flick of a switch, we'll go back to, you know, the larger, so the bands will go back to playing the large venues again, or do you think there'll be a gradual it, it return? It may take a while. But well, well, people have... I mean, it's not so many people doing go to live events anyway. I mean, there's always been a big fight to keep music live going on, you know, prior to any of this going, virus stuff. So it's been a up battle anyway. The bigger bands were Philly Blazes, but getting smaller bands to, to get get a following and people to go out live, it was, was becoming difficult anyway because of social media, 
is, is everybody can you know watch YouTube, watch their favourite bands at the flick of a switch. So to get people out, so this could be have a devastating effect. So many more people will get you so used to sitting in. I want to watch an ACDC concert. Flip on YouTube, put it from my smart TV, my great big surround sound system, in the comfort of your own home. But do you so think it will be? To... Do you think bands like Iron Maiden, you know, the really big big acts, you know, like Maiden, do you think they will? be forced to play smaller venues initially? So, for example, would they do four or five nights at Brixton or Hammersmith um, before sort of going back to the, the O2s and places like that again? Or or do you think we will go straight to big shows when we're ready? I think the big bands can still do the big shows because, you know, people with uh, the Iron Maiden fans would be gagging to see them. So they'll... Uh, there's other, there's just be, there's just a, be a crossover point. Someone like Iron Maiden or any of the big bands, people they'll always have an audience. And as soon as they uh, ever put a show on, there'll be people. Especially after a lot, there's a prolonged period of no live music. I think it'll go straight back to a big event. I agree with you entirely. Yeah. Would... Loopy, what's your opinion on that? Um, I mean, yeah, I can understand. What Tony's saying about like, the bigger bands going straight back to playing the bigger venues because, the, well, no, I was going to say the interest, but it's not the interest. It's the it's the it's the weight. Yeah, you know, Maiden are meant to be out on tour as of two weeks' time, and that's now been taken away from the fans, but the fans still want to see that show, and I, I did find interesting going through the. Uh, going through the tour dates, I've noticed that Australia and New Zealand have been postponed, whereas uh, the Philippines, Japan, uh, Donington obviously, but uh, Grasspop, Denmark, um, have all been cancelled. So it looks like they still want to take the legacy show back to Australia and New Zealand. Um, and again, you know, the fans down there are crying out to see Maiden. So the fact that they've just been postponed, push it back to when it's safe. Yeah, the question, I suppose, is will governments mandate that live acts start in the smaller venues and once, you know, we, we've really squashed this, this pandemic, then is it safe to go back to the larger venues? That's, I guess that's the whole question. And this has been something that's been brought up by the medical experts that we may not be able to go back to the, you know, the download festival with, you know, what is it, 60,000, 70,000 people straight away. It might have to be a gradual um, escalation from the smaller venues to the larger venues. Uh, I mean, that's certainly been um, uh, proposed by, by several sort of public health issues, which is why I was particularly interested, Tony, to see what, what you sort of had heard about that? I haven't, heard, I haven't heard too much, but the way I see it, probably because when they do when they get out of lockdown, it'll be a gradual. So bars and restaurants are usually the last places to be, be allowed to reopen because our country's coming out of lockdown. We can look at Denmark, look at what Germany are doing just currently. And then probably it probably will be smaller venues, but it'll always be well monitored to see if the virus rears its ugly head again. So 
there would be no, there'll be no massive opening. There may be a few. They may even nominate certain venues. You know, they, they may say, but they'll just say, well, this one, this one, this one, this one, gonna, um, and it'll be monitored to see how it goes. Is it cause virus spread, whatever? There's a uh, still a lot of unknowns as we keep saying. Yeah, uh, I don't think it'll be. It won't open up widely. Even big, even all medium-sized venues. I don't think will open. I think it'll be a gradual, let a handful open. <laughs> and monitor the situation. Yeah, and that's going to affect touring plans of a lot of the big bands. Um, you know, Tony, when we do get up and running again, do you think governments will mandate uh, hygiene practices at concerts and live gatherings? For example, screening patrons with temperature checks or or uh, hand sanitizers placed strategically around the venues. And is that something you'd like to see? I think. Good hygiene will be promoted a lot anyway, and I think people are being very hygiene habits by then because we're so, so driven to to do it now. Um, I think what how far it'll go depends again. Different countries they'll have different rules. I mean, I was in Singapore just before as this outbreak was coming on. I managed to get a, in February. That's how quickly things have moved on. I was a, and, a, and and even then they was monitoring people at venues, tourist attractions. They had cameras, heat-seeking equipment in Singapore. So that sort of society, you know, will be straight on it. Others may be more relaxed. It's to say, it's various from government to government. There are different angles that they're looking at it. Again, Europe, Sweden hasn't had a total lockdown at all. That's being watched by many other people. Yeah, it's very interesting. Tony, do you think, I mean, you're a businessman as well. Do you think after we come out of this, the way the shape the, glo- or the shape the global economy is going to be in, do you think it'll be able to support the live music industry? Because, um, I mean, there's some ghastly figures that are being uh, sort of predicted by economists worldwide and not armchair economists, very respected economists about, uh, you know, so, so 10% unemployment here in Australia up up to 30% in the United States. I mean, that's that's the frightening one, the world's biggest economy. Um, I heard, I think, I heard the numbers with the UK were quite significant as well. Loopy, what was that number you were so, saying? Uh, that they anticipate uh, it's going to be three and a half million. Three and a half million, million unemployed. So with that, in that climate, are we going to be able to support the, the live music industry? So, for example, and also, too, with the climate of, of hyperinflation and recession, uh, a concert ticket that might, co- might cost £100 now might cost £150, £200. Do you think that would obviously make people kind of reconsider going to see bands like oh. Iron Maiden? People consider it all the time anyway, because it's a big chunk of money a lot of the times now to go and see the big shows. But I don't know, but the economists seem to be, pe- tend to me, in my view, be pessimistic. Mm. I think usually the people are much more resilient. If this goes on for a long, long time in, in severe lockdown, I could see possibly be right, but it just depends how long it goes on for. Surprising how people do bounce back, even in some of the recessions we've had recent, you know, in recent years, I've been through a few. It's never quite as bad as people. They always like to see the worst side of it. I like to see the glass half full rather than half empty. And and a lot of people do seem to be that way. People are resilient and they find ways to do things they want to do as well. 
I'd prefer yeah, a bigger glass. In, in, in <laughs> it's half empty at the moment. I'm just it's orange juice. No, we can always yeah, fill it up. We can always yeah. fill it up early in the day for beer. Early in the day for beer. Yeah. I'm just le- leaning my phone on one. <laughs> for now. So I'm looking yeah. at it enviously, but have it, have it later. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think it's important to remain positive. It's important to remain optimistic. And I think the media, the mainstream media, do really get off on this almost sadistic scaremongering and and fear campaign. And, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people losing hope over this. It's important to realise that in many parts of the world, we are well and truly on the way to flattening the curve, to even squashing the curve in some places. Some countries are, in fact, open for business and ready to go. And for all the bad predictions that they make, there's also a lot of positive predictions that when the economy does sort of go into recession after that, it is going to bounce back uh, very, very quickly and, and, and very well. So it's important to, I guess, keep that in mind and um, and be, be hopeful of that. Yep. Uh, most of the time their news is negative because it's sensationalism. So they like to, and most of that is negative, negativity. There is some positivity in news, but generally you put most news channels on, it's about how many people have died, you know, it's a war, car crash, train wreck. It's not, you know, as the 98 million people had a great day. You never see that on the news. So it's, yeah, it's so very they, true. They, as you do, as you said, sensationalise it a lot. They, and they like to, you know, it's almost in the UK, we cut, they're waiting to announce how many people have died from, in, you know, over the last 24 hours from COVID-19. And it's like, and it's a bit of disappointment if it doesn't go up because they can't be so negative about it. But yeah, people are resilient. Life goes on. It's, you know, we've, in other and say up and down over the years, there's been lots of things that have happened, you know, but we we all get through it. Not that much changes really. I've myself, I've just because we've we've got the tour that's been cancelled, the, the Air Force tour, and I've just mentioned it re- recently. Can we put it push it forward six months? To, and I'm looking at October. Hopefully, that we we'll be able to get back. Not saying we'll definitely be able to. We've got to monitor it, but I just want to get the whole eight dates, exactly same venues, exactly same order. Just move it six months from, from, from April to October, and that's what I'm looking at tentatively at the moment. Good yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, good luck with that. There's mate. a lot of bloody there was a lot of bloody organising to get them dates, so I don't want to have to rearrange everything all again. Just take the whole package up, shift it six months. But that's that's me being a positive, positive and optimistic again. I looked at it, say not, not two, three months. Now that's maybe pushed because people were saying you know different dates, and I've just looked at sensibly six months time might work. We might have to move that another six months as we get nearer that date, but I'm looking at it six months ahead that hopefully a lot of things will be back to some sort of normality. Never be What I find interesting at the moment is that uh, United Arab Emirates have started sending out, um, like they've started to announce more flights to destinations around the Middle East into Africa, a little bit further. Uh, I mean, we're still, still getting British Airways flights from Heathrow to Hong Kong at the moment. Um, but what I find interesting with the United Arab Emirates is that Maiden, I meant to play there on the 27th of May, 
Mm. And it just makes you wonder, will that go ahead? Yeah, and the trouble with um, the trouble with this the these cancellations are that Maiden tend to sort of strategically play in a sequence of places. Sorry, places in in a sequence which makes it easier to freight stuff around. Well, and it's, it's not only that they follow the sun, and they follow they, do the follow, they follow the sun. Yeah, they've been known for it. When was the last time they ever toured sort of United States and Canada in November, December time? Oh, gee, that would have been in the eighties, I think. Um, yeah, I so, think. So they learnt from that. I mean, it's too too bloody cold. Well, That's why they come over here, like, either, like sometime between sort of May and and August, September time, because the weather's decent. Yeah, I think World Slavery somewhere in time tour. It was uh, they were sort of U.S. Canada winter tours. Um, but yeah, as you said, since certainly since the post reunion era, certainly since Bruce and Adrian have come back, the tours have always been um, during summer, during during yep. sort of hot, warm weather. Everybody's getting older. I don't like that cold in the bones anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's one of the, one I, of the I, first. I sit, here, I sit here most days. I mean, at the moment it is sort of mid, mid uh, April. And I sit here most days with a sweatshirt on because it's still bloody cold. Yeah, Sun shining. Funny you mention that. Funny you mention that. One of the first times I ever saw Maiden, it was I remember it was freezing. It was really cold, and that's sort of unthinkable now. <laughs> so times have changed. Uh, times you know, have changed. When you're working for a band, I mean, Tony will back this up. When when you're in a band or working for a band, it doesn't matter where you go, what time of year it is. You go out there and you do it, whether it's freezing cold, 10 inches of snow, it, it doesn't matter. You go out and you do it. But the older we get, as Tony yeah. just said, you, know, you do feel it. Yeah, you don't, you don't, you don't want to be out there. That's the same as uh, when we're planning an American tour. That's why I've gone, another reason we've gone, I'm going to six-month increments. I don't want to be out there in America, North America. So some places in North America are bloody freezing. You know, yeah. you cold like it through the winter. Also, the alternative is there. It's, it's absolutely boiling hot in the summer. So yes. spring it's and autumn. Too hot, yeah. Or, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're, the two, they're the two times I, I look at for touring over in North America. So it's April, May, October, September, October. I don't really want to be so there mid-winter um, or mid-summer. If your six-month theory works out, then it's ideal. Yeah. So that's it. I've just, I've just shifted it six months and the next... If that doesn't work, it'll be till next next April. Six months after yeah, that, yeah. Hopefully yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. I'd hope, I'd hopefully it's not going to be as far as that. As coming back to the Maiden shows, the ones that are still on, I just can't... It's difficult to see them just doing the odd willy-nilly show if certain places are allowed. It can't be... Uh, that ha- ha- that ha- They, it, they, they so, might yeah, do it just to sort of cross them off the list so they don't have to think about it next time. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, look, yeah, again... Just, you know, yank... <clears throat> Sorry, it's changing every day, and by the time, even by the time this episode comes out, the number of cancellations and postponements might even be more greater than what we're discussing now. So, um, and as I said, <clears throat> since since we've done the last couple of episodes, uh, I mean, when we did the first a couple of weeks ago, or the couple of episodes ago, I mean, there were no postponements or cancellations. Now. There's, there's, how many do we count before? Seven, eight, nine. So, 
uh, and growing. And it also will be interesting to see how quickly the airline industry and the travel industry bounces back as well, because of all the industries, the the aviation and travel industries have copped a, 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 a significant blow um, to to their sort of operations. I mean, here in Australia, we have two major airlines, and there's already talk of one of them completely collapsing. And if you extrapolate that to different countries, I mean, what's that's going to mean? Less competition, higher airfares, less people traveling. Um, again, we hope not. We want to keep it positive. Uh, but what's unique about this crisis, there's just there's so many unknowns that none of us have really ever had to grapple with, ever. Yeah, I think I think that's happening. That's so for governments as well. It's such a. It's only been with us a short while. No one's had to deal with this. You know, at all levels. So, it's it's sort of suck it and see. I think for a little while longer yet. Tony, what are what are you guys in Air Force doing at the moment to connect with your bands? Sorry, connect with your fans. I mean, some some musicians are sort of recording videos and put, posting them on Instagram and Facebook, sort of. Dis- discussing how they wrote a song or how they came up with a lick. How are you guys keeping that fire burning with the fans, so to speak? Well, we keep me, uh, just keep me in touch on social media. We have a new video because that was sh- the, the footage was used, live footage that had been shot some time ago. We done some studio footage still before the pandemic. We had a draft version of it, which we weren't happy with. We, we just got a new version yet last night, actually. Of, of, of the new is it for this new song called Die For You that's going to be on the new album so we hope to have a new video out in the next few weeks so Fantastic. we are that will be back in touch and we do have a lot of you know there's a lot of stuff pre-recorded that we can punt around a bit a few shows we, there's the live in, we have we have another so we have another record actually in the can live recorded live in Poland last year it's all been done it's all ready to go package it'll be come out after the studio album uh, t- Tony, is there, do you guys have any, have you guys spoken about maybe live streaming some uh, e- events or performances and and maybe sort of doing that behind a paywall as an income revenue? Yeah, yeah. even to do that, you've got to get the band together. Yeah. So it's Social how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. You, you can get in, do we, we, it's not impossible because I thought it through. We could go into the the rehearsal studio. It, where we do go, it's quiet and rural anyway. So I'm sure, and then we could go in one at a time, make sure we're spaced out. So in distance terms, not spaced out in any other way. Uh, but either way, either way. The other bit that's, that we could do that, our singer is Portuguese. He resides in Portugal. So until the travel restrictions are lifted, that 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 puts paid to that. We can't really have him singing on FaceTime. Uh, I don't think we'd synchronise it quite well enough. But so th- yeah. we have that added uh, difficulty of having a one, one band member in a, located in a different country. Wow. And, and Lino is a police officer by profession <laughs> as well, so his ser- <laughs> services are rather required at this <laughs> busy time. Great. Well, it's look. It's a unique situation for Air Force, for the music industry, for music fans, for for all of us. Really, there's there's no uh, no 
sector of society that's unaffected by this. Everybody's feeling it. Everybody's, uh, I guess, operating at the moment in a climate of uncertainty, and that's what makes it very, very hard. Look, um, let's finish off on a positive note. Um, do you? Is there anything you want to talk to us about the new album? So, is there anything you want to tell us about the new album, Tony? Uh, I know you can't give too much away, but is there is there any? How's it going to differ from the past albums as far as production and style? It, well, no, it'd be pretty. It was uh, like I say, it was produced by Pete Franklin, our engineer, who's out of Chariot fame. And then again, he was in a band called Dirty Deeds, toured with Maiden, Pete Chariot, Mick Franklin's brother, who we spoke Mick about earlier in the program, who's where Paul Diallo come from. Just a few more Maiden. One, one big happy family. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and even on. So yeah, the album will be a few people have had preview tracks, including yourself, Ken. You could make a comment on that. Uh, you feel the Diano, the, the Paul Diano song, "Don't Look in Her Eyes," was and is, is a reworked old EL thirty four song. So it's written at the time Diano was in Maiden still. By EL, that was that's why I think it has that early Maiden town because it was it's from the era we've revamped it a bit and changed it a bit and done some work on it to bring it a little bit more up to date but it, initially it came from the early days Look, so, and Paul's guested on that song I'd just like to encourage all our listeners to um, support Air Force to check out Air Force go from the beginning and 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 check out the music because if you enjoy Iron Maiden Judas Priest that sort of uh, you know style of metal you will love Air Force and you'll love Air Force with the first listen because there is not only a crossover, but the the music really complements what we naturally as Maiden fans like to listen to. So um, check out Air Force. Great band. Great band. Also, the, the, two, the two names yeah. there. Because someone, in, when we was on the last tour in, in America... Someone said, "If you mentioned Judas Priest, if Judas Priest and an Iron Maiden had a baby, it'd be Air Force." Air Force. I agree. I, I agree one hundred percent. I agree one hundred percent. And I think, I think we uh, we said that um, when we, well, you and I were roommates last July in that yeah. uh, that plush uh, That's what... New York City apartment, and I remember you saying that actually. Yeah, as I say, you just reminded me of it when you mentioned Judas Priest. So, yeah, yeah that's that was a term someone spilt come out with last year. I actually well, think I actually think Air Force are a a worthy candidate to open for Iron Maiden. I really do think you'd be a terrific opening act for Iron Maiden. And then for once, I would be happy to actually turn up and see the opening act because I spend the opening act, um, well, eating dinner. Or at the bar. I, I, <laughs> I, I've always said the last good, decent opening act Iron Maiden had was probably, uh, oh, I'm struggling, probably 1985, Queensryche or something like that. But um, uh, I, I, I said Air Force would be truly worthy as an opening act for Maiden. That's that's my well, Thanks very much. We, we'd like to get there. We. British Lion it may be a possibility, but Chop has been talking to Steve. So, yeah, so so Steve, so that's more of a likely moment. But you never know. Yeah, never know. Well, you got to start from just before what we do go. I just wanted to mention. I've got 
this is I'm, I'm, I'm broadcasting live from my uh, home pub, which was inspired by Steve Harris when <laughs> I visited his house in the eighties when we first started with Air Force. That's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> that is brilliant. This, this room we've got was inspired by Steve Harris. That is brilliant. Tony, it's look, horse, um, horses and cart. Horses and cart. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, look, this is this has been a, a really interesting and quite insightful chat about uh, quite a heavy topic. Um, you know, and again, in these uncertain times, we thought that it was timely to make an episode like this and also to chat to someone who really is at the coalface of it all and uh, get some insights. And uh, you've certainly done that. And I think the the overall impression and sentiment that we're finishing off the show with is one of positivity that things inevitably will go back to normal we will go back to our normal well, lives uh, normal normal is a big word things will get better getting back to normal yeah, i think it's going better. to take a lot longer yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I agree i agree with loopy there was people always get over things but there may be a significant change because of it, you know, things will be done somewhat differently or whatever. But yeah, yeah. will be things will get better. Maybe not back as we knew it. I think we'll hit, we'll go back to what so called a new normal. So it may not be exactly the way it was in a before. Different kind of normal. Yeah, it may not be exactly the way it was before October, two thousand nineteen. But no. it, it it will be it will go close. Just maybe with some different societal attitudes and um regulations and rules and whatnot so but yeah we just have to stay positive we have to stay positive yeah. and, and being someone who's never been really been normal i'll be get used to that sorry being someone who's never really been what you call normal i'll adjust well yeah but you can get better <laughs> well with that look with that uh tony we'd like to uh you know sincerely thank you for being so generous with your time we've been chatting for over 50 minutes now so thank you very much for your time and uh for coming on and um you know discussing the show we you know we love your band well again i think you're you're a worthy heir to iron maiden and um and a good bunch of guys as well oh, a great bunch of people a terrific bunch of guys and look to go to this is to our listeners go and support air force go and listen to air force if you love priest if you love maiden you will love air force they're a solid band so thanks tony thank you very much mate Would yeah, love cheers to tony right. 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 love to have you on again mate <laughs> at some point all right yeah, we'll, we'll get you anytime, back soon anytime all right. cheers mate cheers. thank you very much see ya take care bye